Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. I guess, isn't that it, Arch? Uh, it, it's sort of a thrill comfort food, right? It's it's uh, a combination. Uh, I mean, it's like um, it's like baked Alaska. It's ice cream, but it's on fire, right? Uh, it's something both exciting and comforting at the same time. The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. <laughs> So here we are, and I'm here with Lou Katz in the control room of the Katz Podcasting System. <laughs> Lou, you there? He, I am here and reporting for, for semi-duty. <laughs> <laughs> and it's another stab at making sense of the changing world of entertainment. And as you know, last week, uh, one of my favorite guys in the world, Oliver Jones, was on the podcast and said he was going to the premiere of A Time to Die, the James Bond movie. And so Oliver is back with us in L.A. to give us the update. What was the movie premiere like at the at the Chinese theater? How good is that? I survived it, Arch. Uh, I had... Um... <laughs> I had assigned seats and mine was in um, the second row from the front uh, oh. on the aisle. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I'm 50 now, Arch. So all I'm thinking about is my neck and if I'm going to survive and, you know, the calisthenics, like the yoga I need to do. Do I need to talk to my personal trainer before I see this movie? Uh, I basically just stretched myself all the way out, <laughs> laying down like I'm in first class at Virgin Atlantic. And, um, this uh, wasn't one of those theaters with recliners. No, no. This, this, this theater <laughs> was you know it. before they had comfort in mind. But, you know, um, it was a two hour and 43 minute movie, Arch. You know, you said that last week and I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I how, how does a almost three hour movie play? in this day and age. Well, listen, I'm of two minds about this film. On one uh, level, um, there are some stunning set pieces in it, and it has, uh, uh, has a strong vision from the, from the director, um, Kerry Joji Fu uh, Fukunaga. It's his first time mm -hmm. directing, and it's the first time an American film director has made a Bond movie. Uh, and, um, oh. and it was, you know, it had a seriousness of purpose, and it had a real, um, vision to it and had a sense of um pathos right that you don't normally associate with the series mm -hmm. then on the other hand it's like it's james bond is aren't i supposed to be having fun isn't it supposed to be a little bit silly or, or you know or at least fun have a sense of joy to it and this movie did not it was much more serious really? it was very serious it felt like a um conclusion to a five-piece seminar on james bond uh as much as a movie it was just very serious-minded, and it felt very weighty. Name? Bond. James Bond. Why would I betray you? We all have our secrets. We just didn't get to yours yet. You know, we think of the pattern. You start out with the outrageous uh, opening segment, and then you go to the, uh, to the credits, which are uh, sexy uh, figures uh, walking around in shadow, and then the story begins, and then Bond uh, has dinner with somebody, and they turn out to be the villain, and then he chases the villain, and then the villain 
ties him down to the railroad track and the engine is coming around the I bend. thought you said you hadn't seen this movie, Arch. <laughs> and then he <laughs> unties himself just in just in time and uh, the world does not blow up. Well, two of the elements that are sort of missing from um, from that wonderful little sketch that you gave us there is that the <laughs> villain in this case doesn't really register as much and neither does the love interest. But there is um, a, a, a um, sort of um, a set piece in the center of it with a, with an agent played by um, uh, Anna de Armas. And it's sort of like a fun little caper, you know, a uh, fun little Bond movie broke out in this very serious Bond movie, you know, kind of in the middle of it. And then, um, and then she doesn't come back. You sort of wish she was, she, she would return. You know, overall, it was a movie that will reward people who are emotionally invested in the Daniel Craig cycle of Bond movies. Uh, and those who, who just have fun with Bond and have a more, say, casual relationship um, will find it a little less um exciting and entertaining and and perhaps a bit over long now you know everybody is waiting for the movie uh and this one by the way what it, it was rescheduled yes um a dozen times in the last year and a half yes i mean um the expectation uh uh carrying uh on the weight of the shoulders of this movie you can very much feel it walking with those heavy steps um, Everybody's waiting for the movie that will re-energize going yes. to the movies again. And uh, two years ago, there was huge want to see about this. Is that still in play today? I think so. Yeah, I think it's still there. You know, and the fact that this provides something we've never had before in Bond, which is um, a conclusion of sorts. Uh, mm -hmm. so, um, mm -hmm. so this is a, a real sense of an ending of a chapter. Um, so I think be, because of that, in that way though, um, the movie feels a little bit like, you know, uh, like it's like a saga, uh, similar mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. the, maybe to the Marvel universe or a TV show, yeah. Uh, yeah. a little less of a standalone movie. So again, I think that it depends on people's commitment to the previous, uh, Craig mm -hmm. films of the cycle, but you know, the fact is, we everyone can stream those and binge those, uh, you know, and they have in the last couple of weeks. So people are, are kind of right at the T, ready to be whacked into the theater. And I think most people will be at least emotionally satisfied, if not wondering why they're spending so much time in a movie theater watching a movie uh, about James Bond. Does Voldemort uh, appear? <laughs> uh, yes, in fact, um, <laughs> He draw, uh, uh, Ray Fiennes drops an, drops an F bomb, yes. uh, in this movie, which is oh, apparently, really? which is apparently a first, uh, in the, in the bond. Um, he plays the new Q he's, he's the head of the agency. Oh, wow. Uh, how was it being in a theater full of people? Was somebody sitting next to you? Well, I have to say part of the reason why I was up front was, was that they had staggered the rows. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, they, uh, I saw it at noon uh, in Los Angeles. It showed at three o'clock in New York, all to uh, uh, time up with the premiere in um, Royal Albert Hall in London. Uh, so all, everyone uh, saw it at the exact same time. And, and then we were all vaccinated. Uh, we had all been confirmed as vaccinated. Uh, this, uh, everyone wore their mask in the theater. I have to say to coordinate 
the showing of a film across you know uh that many yeah. timelines yeah. Yeah. while getting everyone seated safely it was quite an extraordinarily well done event and the people who put it together really need to be applauded in terms of um of how they saw the whole thing off uh and uh, i think that it should provide a model for how to do something at this scale uh it was um it was very impressive and i felt very safe uh, i have to give uh, a salute to the people at mgm uh who put together uh, a really impressive uh way for their film to debut uh especially an event film like this you know we don't know how many more events we're going to have like this and um and they really treated it like one and uh and i was impressed i'm uh taken with um the fact that you saw it at the chinese theater which is that icon of uh, movies going back so many generations and it's a very special thing uh, to be able to go to um, a movie palace like that. You know, oh, it's one of my favorite parts about being in Los Angeles. Just there on uh, on that part of um, Hollywood yeah. Boulevard, you've got the Egyptian um, theater. You've got the El Capitan uh, right there, uh, which has an organ that raises out of the ground. And that's where, where Disney does all of their big premieres. And it's just wonderful. It's something, you know, if it wasn't for all the um, tourists and the dad bod uh, Spider-Man, uh, it would be something <laughs> like heaven over there. Um, but I, um, uh, it, it was a great way to see a movie. I hope that, uh, I mean, I know that you won't be able to see it at, at the Uptown. Is there going to be a nice place for you to see uh, um, James Bond when it comes to DC? Or do you have to well, just go to the mall like everybody else? <sighs> You know, it'll be at Tyson's Corner Mall. It'll be at uh, the Georgetown uh, Multiplex. It'll be at the Gallery Place and the Majestic. And maybe it'll be at the Landmarks. I don't know. There's a rumor, by the way, that Landmark is trying to uh, reopen the Uptown. And uh, I hope that rumor is true. But uh, basically, my my uh, choices are shopping malls, and uh, that's, that's just not right. That just doesn't feel right. No. You know, that's not fair to the people of Washington D.C. They should be able to see uh, a movie like this in uh, in a grand hall, like I was able to. Uh, and um, and it was really, you know, it was really special. It's part of the reason. You know, those movie palaces are part of the reason why I fell in love with uh, Los Angeles, because right. all the movie palaces in D.C. are now CVS's. <laughs> it's true. And that's so interesting that you would say that, because the first time I went to L.A. is when I really fell in love with movie palaces. And I went to the Fox and I went to the Bruin yeah. and all those wonderful theaters in Westwood and the Cinerama and uh, on and on and on the Chinese. And well, the Cinerama Dome is closed right now. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, and, um, and so we, and, and that was a real, um, you know, cold um, water splash in the face of film goers here in Los Angeles. And, and we realized how good we have it. But one thing that's happened during the pandemic is that a whole new host of revival movie houses have kind of mm. popped up uh and um and uh quentin tarantino uh recently purchased his second movie theater uh in los angeles uh that's going to be a more of a first run house but he has a rule with his movie theaters he already has the new beverly in los angeles that yeah. it has to be shown on film he won't he won't put a digital projector in his movie theaters 
Oh, uh, which, I love which that. Be challenging uh, for some distributors now. But, if you read uh, Patton Oswalt's um, memoir, yeah. he writes extensively about the new Beverly. And, uh, yeah. and, you know, this is the thing about movies. This is the thing. Half of the movie is where you went to see it. Right. And, and, the, and the, what happened on the way there and, uh, and what you did afterwards and how yeah. it affected you. So yes, and looking to the people to your left and right and laughing and, and all of that. It, it, um, and to be able to do that in a place designed for that experience, designed to maximize that experience is a really special thing. I think perhaps, you know, I might have looked uh, at it at, for granted a little bit uh, and I, I will know more. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I'm not going to you're not going to hear me complaining uh, even when the movie is um, almost three hours long. <laughs> Love talking to you, Oliver. Uh, it's a, and it's glorious. Will... It's great to see you, Lou. It's great to see you, Arch. Um, and um, and I'm here anytime you need me. Hey, buddy. Great having you on again. Lou, I have to uh, work very hard not to call him Oliver Stone. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. <laughs> because people will think I have the director on here instead of my good friend, who's Davey Marlon Jones's son. I met Oliver Stone. I had a dinner with him when he came to town to promote uh, the movie JFK. And he is an intense <laughs> dude. I bet. And Arch, I hope he picked up the tab. Uh, <laughs> Heather, somebody was next to me and she left that night and said, I have a brain ache. <laughs> <laughs> so no brain aches now now we're going all the way on the other side of the country to the beach at delaware which is the national headquarters of our good friend bill newcott <laughs> who reviews movies for the saturday evening post and has uh, had many great jobs including uh, the chief reviewer for the aarp and Bill, you are just back from the Toronto Film Festival, and so uh, I had my COVID test because they wouldn't let me back into the United States without getting a COVID test in Toronto. Really? I said I live there. They said no, you need a test. So, so did you stayed three or four days longer than you expected? Uh, no, I I had to take a break off from watching films though to go seek out uh -huh. a place that did a COVID test in downtown oh, Toronto. Wow. But, it's crazy. So how was the Toronto Film Festival different in this <sighs> COVID time than uh, pre? Because you go uh, most years, right? I go every year. And last, I mean, it was better than last year. Last year was all virtual. Last mm. year was just, you had to sit at your, and they didn't even have, you, even streaming onto a TV was difficult last year. So everything was huh. seen on a, on a computer screen. Uh, this year we were in theaters and they, they severely limited. I felt fortunate to be in the elite group that they let in. Because usually even the press screenings, press and industry screenings at uh, Toronto were packed, but they were at 30% capacity by law. Huh. And you couldn't bring any popcorn in or coffee or anything. You had to sit there and pay total attention to the movie. Wow. Which was unfair so, in some cases, but. 30% of capacity. Were the theaters packed or uh, were you Well, they were spaced? at their 30%. They were uh, spaced out at 30% capacity. Mm -hmm. They, they, they mm -hmm. assigned seats and then you had to, and if you wanted move up to an empty area they wouldn't let you because they did uh, they were doing contact tracing of every critic that was there so it was it was crazy but i gotta tell you 
uh-huh. being in a movie theater there's nothing yeah. like it i'm still yeah. a big i'm still a big fan of that and uh, i guess it's you know we time will tell soon i guess whether theaters are going to get back to where they were which is already sort of a slightly perilous situation or whether or not uh, you know it's going to be just select theaters where well that they'll just the blockbusters on a big screen well, what emerged from Toronto that might lure us back to a movie theater? Ironically, the first movie I'm going to tell you about is on Netflix. Uh, it's a film called The Guilty with Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. And it is fantastic. It, uh, uh, it's, again, it's, you know, I think we're having, we are coming upon a, when we look back on this era, we will say it's a COVID era movie. It'll almost be able to recognize a COVID era movie. It's one character. He never gets within six feet of another character in the movie. He plays a 911 operator who's sitting at a phone, and the whole film takes place within the confines of the, of the 911 operations center. And he's trying to solve the mystery of a woman who says she's being kidnapped. And it, and it sort of plays out in real time, uh, almost like an episode of 24. Uh, that has lots of interesting twists. And Gyllenhaal, man, that guy is so intense. I, I, my, my review is going up this week, and, and my first line is that I'm worried about him because I don't think he knows how to blink. <laughs> the guy... You know, there are other films like that that are uh, one actor tour de force. I mean, you go all the way back to Sorry, Wrong Number. Mm-hmm. And um, what was the one? There was one where the guy's in the, uh, in the car trying to... Uh... Oh, yeah. Uh, that was, uh, was that Tom Ford in that movie? Maybe. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> this is too old guys to remember the name of a movie. <laughs> but I do know he's in a car and the whole thing's on a phone. He's on the phone talking right. to people in his yeah. car as he's driving yeah. around. Yeah. yeah. So so they, so they they sort of were the precursors of the COVID era films. But there were a couple at Toronto that were like that. Um, and you'll, you'll, we'll know them when we see them, you know, when the time comes. So what's the name of that again? It's Guilty. called The Guilty. The Guilty. It's directed by Antoine Fuqua, mm-hmm. which... When who is the king of the slow motion walking away from the explosion movie? <laughs> with the, you know, the car is going up in flames, and Denzel Washington is in slow motion, being really cool. So I was expecting that to happen, uh, and he uh-huh. managed. Also, Fuqua's movies never go less than two hours, and this is like yeah. this moves right along at an hour and a half. Uh, it's 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 a good, crisp little movie. Nine one one, this is emergency operator six two five. I've just erupted. Okay, sir, I need to know where you are. Last name? Is this the fire department? No, ma'am, you've reached 911, but I can connect you to fire. Just hold the line. What does she look like? She was tall, pink hair, in heels. Hey, man, can you tell me how long it's going to take? You know, I wonder if the uh, COVID era will uh, usher in the 90-minute movie as the standard now, because I Mm -hmm. think that's always been a good time. It is, even for a drama. I mean, traditionally, comedies go an hour and a half. And dramas go a little bit longer, but uh, it is a good length for a movie. So uh, what else uh, has emer- is emerging? What can we look for? Well, I'll tell you, there's a, movie that, there's a movie with Ben Cumberbatch in it called The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne. Oh, wow. And it is opening October 22nd. And uh-huh. this, hands down, was my favorite movie at, at Toronto. Oh. And you think, you know, you think, well, they've made all the movies they can about people, like real life people. Who, who, else, who else is there to make a movie about? Well, here's a guy, Louis Rain, Wayne, who you've never heard of, but in the early 1900s, he made cats popular in England. Before, before the 19, uh, 1900s, cats were considered like mouse catchers. You had them around because uh-huh. you had to have mm-hmm. them. But he, Louis Wayne and, and 
the way Cumberbatch portrays him, he's he's got you know he has certain emotional and 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 psychological issues. Mostly, I think uh, uh, mostly he, he's 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 just a nervous guy in public. Uh, but he's but he's a painter, and he's this remarkable guy who can draw who draws um, uh, portraits of people using both hands. And he sits on a train and draws pictures. Oh, and he works oh. for the local for the uh, the big newspaper, the Illustrated London News, or something like that, which Toby Jones plays the publisher of because Toby Jones <laughs> that's what he does. <laughs> yeah. He plays aristocratic, short little aristocratic <laughs> Britons from around the turn of the century. I am prepared to offer you a staff position. Do you capture something of a cat? Perhaps because you yourself are an outcast. You're a cat man. Cat man. A whole cat world. They will turn blue and communicate with us in our own language. Did you say that they would turn blue? Yes, of course. Wow. But he just starts draws cats playing cards at tables and cats driving horses and buggies. And it just takes the nation by storm. And that's what this movie is about. This guy's relationship to cats and his art and the people around him. And I got to tell you, I kind of started welling up a little bit, like in the first five minutes of this movie. And, and, and he plays such a vulnerable, creative, troubled, but, you know, guy who really wants to connect with people. It's, it's amazing. Well, of it's, course it's he is because he likes cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't resist that. Did you say he draws pictures of cats playing poker? He may be the guy who created the whole poker playing animal genre. <laughs> Look this guy up, Louis Wayne, and then you'll wow. say, oh, yeah, I've seen his stuff. And this, you think, could be one of the best movies of the year? I think so. There's another film he made uh, that, that also showed it at Toronto, the name of it, which is Escaping Me. Uh, this is on top of Ben Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, and everyone said he's fantastic in it, and I'm sorry, I don't have the name of it. Um, so that's probably the one, if he gets an Oscar nomination, that would be the one that he'll get it for. But, but this is just... I, I can't wait to see it again. I watched it. I streamed it. I saw it in the theater there. Then I streamed it because they had a streaming service. And I want to see it again. It's just that kind of oh. movie. Now, we don't know if it's theatrical or online or Theatrical streaming. limited, October, October 22nd uh, limited. Mm -hmm. So then in D.C., it may be in one of the theaters there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, anything else? Well, there's lots. There's um, um, Belfast, Kenneth Branagh's movie, which is opening November 12th. Yeah. It's a coming of what else? It's a coming of age story about a little kid in uh, in Belfast during the Troubles, mm. uh, and it, and it has a, a wonderful little boy in it whose name is Jude Hill. I think he's, he's looks like he's like ten, but he's probably one of those kids that looks like he's twelve and ten, but he's really thirteen. But he's 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 a remarkable, great performance. And did um, I uh, understand that it's a sort of semi autobiographical? For Brenna, could it could be? You know, I don't know the backstory to the film at all. His life, the age would be about right. That would be about um, when he would he would have been this age. Uh huh. Uh -huh. No, no, he would have been older. But anyway, it's um, because mm. he's he's Kenneth Branagh is like sixty-ish, right? Yeah, yeah. So he was well. I guess he yeah he could have been eight or nine in 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 nineteen seventy or seventy-two. So yeah. Mm. Anyway, it's, it, it, it's really really good, and and the whole cast is wonderful. <laughs> It's it's about a family trying to just keep it you know keep it together while the world right. out literally outside their front door is exploding in flames. Oh. We're looking to cleanse the community away, but you wouldn't want to be the old man out in the street. Touch my family and I'll kill you. Are we gonna have to leave Belfast? We'll fight this together. This is it. This is what? 
This is war. It's really, it's a real nice, nice film. Uh, there's a movie called, coming on January in December. It's called Jockey. Yeah. And I think this is the kind of film you might like. It's uh, there's a guy named Clifton Collins Jr. who's an actor. He, and you will recognize him when you see him. He, he's been in Capote. He was in traffic. He usually plays supporting roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and he plays an aging jockey in a, a second tier Arizona racetrack. And it's just his life. It is basically a couple of days in this guy's life. And he's, he is coming to terms with the fact that he's destroyed his body, riding horses his whole life. And he's, he's facing retirement and people are trying to convince him what to do next. I think the, in some ways it reminds me of Nomadland because oh, all the surrounding, wow. all the jockeys around him are real jockeys. They're real guys. And they sit around for a lot, a good portion of the film and tell their stories. And this one guy, you know, he, he just goes through his list of the things that have happened, you know, how many concussions, how many cracked yeah. skulls, how many broken ribs. And he just goes, yeah, but it's been all worth it. And, and he's living like in a hovel because uh-huh. jockeys uh-huh. don't make much money at that, at that level. But it's just like a guy, it, it's about people who, for whatever reason, have chosen a life that's really hard that they could easily have walked away from, but just, you know, stick with it at all cost. And it's, it's really, really a good film. Yeah, that is reminding me of Seabiscuit, which certainly touched yeah. on that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot grittier than Seabiscuit. Well, this is, is really that down- kind of a new form that's coming out? Because you know, Nomadland uh, is probably the best example, but there have been a few other. Remember, there's that uh, movie about the uh, cowboy that uh, mixed. Oh, the rodeo. Uh, yeah, real yeah. people with mm-hmm. actors and uh, t- sort of um, kind of a nonfiction uh, film, but not this may a be the same documentary. Director. This yeah. may be the same director. I'm not sure, but it, it, it yeah. may well be. You know, I'm going to retitle this podcast. What was the name of that movie? <laughs> <laughs> and who was that actor? He was in that film. Remember that, that movie with the, with the thing? Well, let me ask you this. <laughs> Have you seen anything that surpasses Coda, Child of Deaf Adults? I, Arch, on your recommendation, I just watched Coda two nights ago, and I'm still, uh-huh. I'm still thinking about that movie. That is a fantastic, fantastic film. Uh, and uh-huh. I, I, would, um, I would put The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne up there mm-hmm. with that, although it's an entirely different kind of movie. Um, but a movie that engages you with the characters and you just from the first frame you're rooting for everyone in that movie yeah and, and the they, thing they about Coda that interests me is that it's online that it's it's streaming i mean it's in theaters too but i think it's streamed at the same time and watching it uh on my home device i felt like i was in a movie mm-hmm. so uh first of all I think, uh, do you agree that maybe CODA is uh, part of the gold standard of movies this year? I think so. I think because we've all been forced to watch movies in our homes, Mm -hmm. the film has obviously always been an intimate uh, medium. But like you say, if if a movie that has you sitting at the table with people, a movie that has you sitting, you know, standing in the bedroom with that little young couple practicing their Mm -hmm. song in, in CODA, I, as much as I love the, the theatrical experience and prefer it, I think that may play better on the home screen because that's, oh. it's really bringing it into your home. You know, that, that, dinner, that dining room is your dining room because your dining room is just off to the left 
you know, of the screen. So I think, I think maybe movies that sort of bring you into an intimate world like that will play better at home. And they, maybe that's the future of those kinds of films and films that expand the universe, like the James Bond films, like, you know, like science fiction uh-huh. Uh-huh. films, mm-hmm. maybe like historical dramas that uh, you know, there are costumes and sets and things, um, or big old houses, they might play better in a theater. And maybe that's how it's going to shake down. Where are you on that? Where, you know, what are we leading into? What, how is this going to shake down? I don't know. I mean, I, I really want to see the Bond film. I'm going to see it this weekend. Uh-huh. And I'm going to the, find it at the biggest screen at the shore, which is a, a pretty nice, not, it's a, yeah. like a semi-IMAX yeah. um, screen. And that's a movie I wanted to see big. And I would have I gone to see it in D.C. if it wasn't being screened all the way over in Tyson's Corner, which is like, <laughs> it's like going halfway to Ohio. <laughs> exactly. Come to our screening bring a lunch <laughs> bring an overnight bag <laughs> uh so maybe that's what's going to happen i don't know i don't i think there's a lot of people who think they're very smart saying here this is what's going to happen and i don't think anyone knows it's all up it's all up to the paying public completely it's utterly out of the hands of the studios it's out of the hands of the distributors and the exhibitors it's what are people willing to pay for and what kind of what you know how much are they willing to put themselves out now I've gone three times, and I have gone to early matinees. I saw uh, one movie I really wanted to see was The Card Counter. Oh. And I saw it uh, at a one o'clock matinee at uh, the Landmark Theater in Bethesda. And there were maybe 15 people in the audience. Mm -hmm. And so I felt comfortable. And yeah. the air conditioning was going, and and that that is a movie you need to see in a theater. It's really? Oscar Isaacs, and he's uh, he was an enhanced interrogator in the Middle East War, and uh, went to prison for the things he did, and so now he's racked with guilt. And uh, in prison, he learned uh, the art of playing poker. You count cards, right? I'm not that smart. But you win. You need someone to stake you. That's what you do. You run a stable. I'm always looking for a good thoroughbred. He meets a young man, and they embark on a revenge idea from the guy who taught them uh, the enhanced interrogation. This sounds so fantastic. I haven't even heard about this. Yeah, you know, it's Paul Schrader. It's one of the Paul Schrader. Oh, okay. Is it as good as it sounds? It's strange and weird and like watching somebody else's dream. <laughs> and and you love that. That's that's what you go to the movie. Paul Schrader for. did First Reformed, right? It, yes. Yeah, yes. which is like also kind of dreamlike, it's, nightmare-like. Yeah. I read somewhere that his next movie is going to be about a uh, a botanist. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's doing man-eating tomatoes. I don't know what. <laughs> so I want to ask you about The Many Saints of Newark. Have you seen that? I have not seen that. But you know what, Arch? I didn't really even watch The Sopranos. Oh, really? Sopranos came through when I was just reviewing movies all the time. I was really busy mm-hmm. as opposed to now. I was really busy, and I just didn't have time for continuing TV shows. So I... I I watched, foolishly, watched the last episode, you know, the, the, the controversial right. last episode yeah, of Sopranos. Yeah, yeah, And I liked it a lot. And it, it's, it's like The Wire, which is a show I also, everyone mm-hmm. tells me, why haven't you seen The Wire yet? And I said, well, I don't have a year and a half of my life to put aside for it. 
so you know, I had to catch up on that. I have to catch up on uh, um, Breaking Bad. I mean, there's there's a lot of TV I'm I'm ignorant of, so I haven't. But how did you see it? I I did see the Many Saints of Newark, and I was uh, quite a fan of The Sopranos. And once I had a little time on my hand, I think we started The Sopranos over and watched the entire seasons in mm. order. And, uh, you know, I did that with The Wire. And when, when watching The Wire like that as a long 60-hour yeah. uh, opus, I got how brilliant The Wire is because it was society as reflected by drug dealers, newspaper people, educators, uh, politicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was, it was a city opus and uh brilliant and the sopranos as well and this is the backstory it's the prequel so it's 1967 in newark and the riots are starting and uh tony soprano is uh a young teenager. Anthony got kicked out of school. I went through all that trouble. And for what? I'm always being accused. You gotta be good. I want to do whatever I can to help the family. I didn't like it. I, I, th- I thought it was really a bad idea. Mm. Because who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So what? Oh, look, there the characters are before we got to know them on TV. Well, you know, I don't care. So... I'm not uh, not happy about that. Anything else on your mind? No, not really. I, th- I think I'm, I'm, there's a couple of movies. That, you know, I tell you what, you, you liked Jojo Rabbit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kid, Roman Griffin Davis, is in another movie that's coming up uh, in December. It's called Silent Night. Mm. And it is, it is a whacked out movie, like, like Jojo Rabbit was. But it's yeah. about, it's Christmas Eve. So I guess that's why it's coming out in December. Yeah. It's Christmas Eve in England. And a, a toxic cloud is descending upon the islands and it's going to kill everybody. It is killing everybody around the world and is going to kill you. And, you're, and it's Christmas Eve and this family gets together for a last Christmas party in, 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 an, in a state in the English countryside. The government has issued suicide pills to everybody. And, and when you see the cloud coming, you're supposed to take, they call it the exit pill. You're supposed to take your, take your exit pill <laughs> I mean, this is high concept stuff, oh. uh, and it's a, and it's about you know family reper- repercussions and settling things and and, and, and it, it's it's the airing of the grievances. Yeah, the airing of the grievances, <laughs> and he's the kid who's just trying to come to terms with all this, and he's trying to decide whether oh, he wants to take wow. the pill or not, or he wants to just ride it out. Um, and it, it, he is. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's going to grow up to be a great actor, but he is as a kid actor just phenomenal. And it has a really wow. good cast. It has um, a Keira Knightley and Matthew Good play his parents. Is it the same director as Jojo Rabbit or uh, somebody else? I think it's someone else. Okay, I think it's someone yeah. else. Yeah, that, uh, that Car- doesn't sound. Carmel Griffin. Carmel Griffin is the writer director. Sounds too. That's uh, Taki Watiti, I think. It sounds too too serious for him. Yeah. It, well, he and his it's, it's team a, put together a series called Reservation Dogs that I'm very fond of on Hulu, mm-hmm. set on uh, a, a reservation in Oklahoma. And it's a group of five uh, teenagers who are stealing and saving their money so they can get off the reservation and move to California. 
And there's all sort of uh, characters who reflect uh, the indigenous life. There's a spirit who speaks to them, and uh, it's quite wacky. There's uh, the deer woman, <laughs> a woman <laughs> who has deer hooves, <laughs> who punishes bad men. <laughs> it's you can tell where my interest is. I'm watching everything uh, on my TV set. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I, I want to get back to a theater on a regular basis, and I hope I, I personally hope it happens. We'll see. Right now, I noticed this week the number one movie is what Venom. That does I not see, surprise me. I yeah. see a lot of horror films and action films, hmm. and that those are the things that are dominating the theaters. Yeah. But uh, but these sound uh, really interesting. So speaking of interesting, uh, Lou Caps is in the control room. Hey, Lou. <laughs> twisting the knobs. <laughs> My hands are worn out, trust me. <laughs> How are we doing? <laughs> We're doing great. And for those that may be new to your podcast, I thought I'd uh, explain exactly what Hound Radio's music is all about. Check this out. What is Hound Radio? It's the best breeds of music. Like classic hound. You say you want a revolution. Well, you know. Old school R&B. And watch today's hits. Despacito. Quiero respirar tu cuello despacito. And a whole lot more. Hound Radio. Yeah, and Hound Radio is uh, really doing well. Uh, they play it at Bethesda Bagels. They do. They? they do. Oh, uh, wow. Do they play this at Bethesda Bagels? I'm not sure if they play a podcast while, uh, you know, in store, uh, but I know that I go by, you know, frequently and they'll be, I hear it in the ceiling speaker. So I'm going, hey, somebody's listening. <laughs> you know, would it kill them to send over a dozen bagels? <laughs> huh? Would it kill them? <laughs> Maybe with a little cream cheese schmear. There you go. <laughs> They make great bagels there. They do, yeah. So, uh, Bill, what are you looking forward to? What's uh, what's on your agenda? Anything else on your mind? I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking forward to the John, to the James Bond movie. I hear it's it's a great still, uh, wrap up to the yeah. to the Daniel Craig. Era. Time and I, and I think they've. I think they've. I mean, I don't. I don't know how they ended, but it, it sounds to me like the um, they're just creating the conceit that. 007 is a number that gets assigned to different people. And so 007 will return, but it'll be someone else. And then, and that kind of broadens the whole series idea because you don't have to have this guy. You don't, you don't have to have that, that uh -huh. same character. Mm -hmm. People you know, playing variations on the theme of Sean Connery you know, and, and, and updating his, his, his characteristics. I think it might be a brilliant move. To say okay, and then it's like I, I feel like I I, 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 like, I liken it to Doctor Who, you know. There's, yeah, there's, you know, the Bond series has just had a lot of trouble going into the future. Coming, I mean, you know, we're in a changed world, we're in a mm -hmm. different world, and uh, we're not in the same world as Doctor No in 1962, and they pretty much stuck to that formula 60 years later. So, yeah. so I, 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 don't, I don't think it has to be a woman. Doesn't it doesn't have to be that drastic a change, and maybe it will be. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. But I think the whole idea of of giving having an entirely different person get the number with that license to kill in similar situations, and they don't have to 
they don't have to have in the back of their mind, well, how would Sean Connery or how would Roger Moore have handled this, you know? So it sounds to me like your uh, recommendation for this weekend is The Guilty with Jake Gyllenhaal. The Guilty on, on Netflix. Just and a fantastic film, 90 minutes of your time, and you won't forget it. I have four things to mention for this weekend. The first is uh, Come From Away on Apple TV. Have you seen that? That's the Broadway musical about the planes that landed in uh, Gander, Newfoundland. Oh, 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 yes, 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 yes. On September 11th. And mm -hmm. it's a recording of a performance during the time that they thought the virus had lifted when Broadway reopened. And uh, it's quite good and uh, quite a nice piece for our time. It's two things I saw on, on PBS. Citizen Hearst. Have you heard about this? I've heard about it, yeah. They did a four-hour documentary on William Randolph Hearst. And any, any argument you have with media today, <laughs> you, you can <laughs> land right in the lap of good old Hearst. <laughs> uh, that and uh, a little side uh, viewing of Citizen Kane. Are well, just, yeah. PBS also did a wonderful documentary, a Ken Burns doc on Muhammad Ali. And uh, both of those are just our must -see I have seen that viewing. one. I saw, the, I saw the Muhammad Ali. Yeah, and it made me want to watch uh, Spike Lee's Malcolm X film all over mm -hmm. again. Yeah. Have you seen and One Night in Miami? Yeah, I did see One Night in Miami. And, yeah. and of course, uh, the, the, you know, that's referenced yeah. in, uh, in this. I wasn't as fond of One Night in Miami as I was of uh, some other things because it appeared kind of talky to me. Were you a fan? I was a fan. I, and it's, it's one of those movies where you, you say, this was a play. There's no question this was a play. And, and every scene yeah. that happens outside the apartment seems a little tacked on. Although there is, there, there is the, the scene when, uh, when Jim Brown goes to the old uh, um, place where he used to live with the White family and, and they're yeah. treating him like yeah. they love him like a son yeah. and then they yeah. won't let him in the yeah. house. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. a pretty compelling scene. But I, I kind of love that movie. I love the performances. Ted Lasso has its finale this week. Yes, yes. I'm totally caught up on Ted Lasso. I'm in awe of that series because every week it gets better and better and better. It does. It does. And I think I, I feel like they're doing riffs on movies. On uh, Are you? Do you? Well, they do. They, they, they're always referencing movies. Like you had me uh -huh. at Hello, and they, they, yeah. they, they, the, the characters have all seen the same movies, it seems. So they, they can speak in a shorthand to each other using famous movie quotes. He, I didn't know Jason Sudeikis would turn out to be such a good actor. He's, very, he's always been funny and creative but, and engaging, but he's a, he's a really fine actor as well. So... So a pretty good week. So any final words for us? Bill Newcott, uh, author of uh, All the Right, Wrong Turns. How's the book coming? I had a book signing in Rehoboth the other day. Yeah, and, yeah. And I didn't get chased off the sidewalk. They, they let me stay there and do it for two hours. It was fun. I'd never done a book signing before. Yeah, they, they tell me if you sign a book, they can't, they can't bring it back. Exactly. <laughs> That's what you do. Sometimes you just go to bookstores where they're selling you a book and you sign them. And <laughs> Life on the beach. Yes, and uh, any final words? No, I, would, I just want people to go to a movie theater. Get to a movie theater, see, see a film, and, and just try it out again and see if you feel comfortable yet.
because uh, that's that's the way to see a film with other people that you don't know around you and you and you're sensing that that electricity going through a crowd. There's nothing like it, and I and that is something we're losing at home, and I'd like to get that back again. That's well said, Bill. Thanks so much for being with us, Lou. Lou Katz of the Katz Podcasting System and Hound Radio, and you make this show possible. And uh, I thank you, Bill. And we'll be back next week. This is the Katz Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast.